As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the 3-0 Show, part of the Athletic Baseball Show. It is Thursday, June 1st. Derek Van Riper, Ina Saris, Bridgeroli, all here with you. And now that we have passed the huge milestone on the Major League Baseball <laughs> calendar, we have passed Memorial Day weekend. It is safe, per Bridgeroli. It is now safe to smash the panic button. If you are unhappy with your team's performance to this point in the season, you can absolutely lose your mind and panic. And it's okay to start retooling teams the way that I wanted to retool teams three and four weeks ago because I'm a tinker. I'm always trying to make things better. So, Britt, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for guiding us to this point, And thank you for the relief that comes with the calendar flipping to June because now we can really dig into how to make these teams better. Look, guys, I'm just telling you what I have heard over and over again from front offices in 15 years on a baseball beat. Like Memorial Day is the day front offices are going to start paying attention. So everyone else should start paying attention. So you're right. June is a huge month where July is obviously going to be all the trade talks. But very often, lots of that stuff is set up in June. So Derek, of course, wanted to make blockbuster deals in early May. Will we see a blockbuster deal in early June? Maybe not, but we could see some smaller trades and we certainly are going to see rumors start from now, go all the way up until that trade deadline. June trades. Yeah, I think one of the things that probably uh, helps keeps teams from selling at this point is business, which is the the thing that really uh, brings people to the park most is wins. And by selling, you're most likely going to have fewer wins, which means you have fewer butts in the seats. So you're really, uh, you're kind of playing a game where you're like, well, I want this future asset to make my team better in the future, but I also kind of want the money from people coming to the park. And I'm not sure that I want to put the white flag up right away uh, and tell everybody not to come to the park anymore. The Chicago White Sox have stopped trying this year. <laughs> you know, uh, yes. It's a little bit of a rough, rough deal. Well, you've there. also got expanded playoffs this year, though. So I think that makes people hold on and be like, well, what if we win for a couple weeks? Yeah. I think quantifying a team that can safely 
wave the white flag on June 1st is really important. For me, if your playoff odds are below 5% today, you're not wrong if you start looking to the future. In fact, there's a benefit to making moves sooner, right? The main benefit, and I've outlined this before, especially if you have pitching to trade, many teams don't, is that your pitching can't get hurt if it's healthy today. It can't get hurt on your Just roster. The A's, the A's have learned this lesson. They've, they've traded away guys right before they're hurt a bunch of times. Right, <laughs> this happens. Okay, so how many teams are actually below 5% playoff odds today, according to Fangraphs? We have the Tigers at 4.6%, the White Sox at 4.2%. Probably the most intriguing team talent-wise as far as one that if they were going to start moving players in the next four weeks or six weeks, they have a lot of impactful guys. The Tigers are in second place in the Central. 4.6% <laughs> chance of making the playoffs. I'm just telling you, they literally, literally are two games behind the Twins. How confident are you that they will stay that close to first place when we're at the All-Star break? With the Tigers, here's the thing. I don't think they're a good team. There's going to be weeks where they look okay and weeks where they look awful. That's the 2023 Tigers, I think, for you. But with expanded playoffs, can they stumble in? Yeah, could they just, like, steal one? Yeah. Yeah. Could they be a wild For some of these teams, Derek, just getting a wild card berth is enough to sell their franchise, their fans that, like, hey, we're going in the right direction, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think, look at what happened in Baltimore last year. I mean, yes, they traded Trey Mancini, but they didn't do, like, a full gut job because they felt like hey, we're headed in the right direction, even if we're not all the way there yet. Uh, so there's a little value to that. Like, you know, was saying fans want to come because they think, hey, we're still kind of sort of trying. I don't think the Tigers are in that group. I don't think you can just go based off percents. If the Tigers win five games in a row, which they've done, I think this season already, they've at least won four. I think they did win five because I was going to crush them in a column and then they won a bunch of games in a row. So I didn't. <laughs> um, never fails. Uh, where would their chances be? 12 to 15% most likely. So then they're no longer yeah, then they're no longer in that category. I think there's only like five teams that right now should be like it ain't happening. I almost think that the numbers should be 0%. And there are yeah. zeros. The A's, the Royals, yeah. I've got A's, Royals, Nationals and Rockies. Nationals also. It's that bad. Wait, how are the Nationals at, at z- really? 0. Yeah, they're at 0 already. Yeah, you're right. They're really far back. They have a better record than some teams with different playoff odds. Uh, you know, like they have a better record than the White Sox, uh, but they're in a way harder division. Correct. Both central divisions create a unique problem, air quotes, or an opportunity, if you want to be an optimist about it, for teams like the Reds and White Sox that have sub 5% playoff odds, but could just do the right combination of things, have a few guys get healthy, have a few players get hot, and suddenly they can close that gap and they can actually win their division. That is actually possible despite the extremely low playoff odds. I think the other problem, I'm with you on the, you just have to get there because anything can happen in playoff baseball. We talk about that every single year. You have to be good enough to beat those other teams when you get there though. And I think you can start to pick nits in these lower mm. probability teams and say, if the how Tigers, much should you buy? How much should the Tigers buy? I don't think they buy at all. I think they just getting there is a win. No one expects them to win. They would get obliterated by any other team in the playoffs. Even with the variance of playoff baseball, the odds of that roster making it through multiple series are extremely low, right? So they're Correct. still very broken. However, you have to remember that baseball doesn't always go by the numbers. Like, I covered the Nationals 19 and 31. They won the World Series. We've talked about that. But what about the 2012 Orioles who 
had a negative run differential. People said, well, this isn't going to last. They stumble <laughs> into the wild card. People said, well, they're not going to win this game against Texas on the road. And they did. And for if not for Nate McLeod hitting a foul pole, they would have beaten the Yankees in the ALDS that year. So how do you explain that? You can't. It's the occasional chaos that comes. Just get in, baby. Just get in. Just get They're in. not going to get there. We don't have to worry about that. The problem for the Tigers anyway, <laughs> why they barely even fit in this podcast. They, get there now. they don't really have anyone to trade away anyway. We talked about this a bit on Rates and Barrels. They, he's hurt. He might be out for six to eight weeks. Yeah. yeah. And if they have any chance not of hanging around, they have to keep time him. to trade him. Yeah, but he's still got time on that contract, right? Yeah, but he has an opt out. Yeah. After this year? Mm -hmm. Hurt guys have been traded, but I think it would be closer to his return date. So, I mean, nobody wants to trade for him just to pay him to be on the IL. So True. Six to eight weeks. So it could be around the trade deadline, though, if it's close. He could be coming back. Like, he could throw a bullpen and get traded if if that's what they want to do. But I think they are trying to build a little bit. And then otherwise, uh, there's just no, like, impending free agents like Trey Mancini where you could be like, hey, we're just trading Trey Mancini because he's not necessarily going to be on the team next year and we're, you know, we're, we're not going to make it this year. They don't really have an impending free agent like that that has value on the market, I don't think. No. Wait, you don't think they're going to trade Miguel Cabrera in his swan song? <laughs> I mean, if anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants him, I, I, I think he, he might actually have more value just for like the swan song, you know, <laughs> come to the park for Miguel Cabrera day, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I doubt that he's going to move the needle much. I mean, people have said, what about Joey Votto? <laughs> and, you know, what, what would the Padres trade for Joey Votto? Would Joey Votto say yes? I think Joey Votto would say yes. Yeah. I don't think the Padres would give the Reds much. But would Joey want to say yes to a Padres team that doesn't look like it's going that far right now? I always have wondered, and I thought it would be a good story, like asking guys who have no trade clauses, like, yeah, you want to go to a team that wins, but do you also look at like how good those chances are? Yeah, and how, how do you want to go to a team that just barely doesn't make the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, that's like, you know, just a little bit better. Where, where, you know, where would they have a need for Joey Votto where you're like, oh, that team's going to the, to, uh, the playoffs. I mean, the thing with the Padres, yeah, the thing with the Padres is they just need their current personnel to step up more than anything. Like, it's just a weird roster overall, right? This collection of stars who has largely underperformed. So, yeah, I don't know. Where do you put Joey Votto? They, I think they do want to fit more offense onto that team. Right now, they are in the bottom third of the big leagues in run scored and WRC plus. And I, I, I think you're right. Some of that is just underperforming. Manny being hurt. I think you're right on some of it. But also, I think Trent Grisham is who he is. And I think on a good team, he would be a fourth outfielder. So if there's any way that I can put, if I can put, Tatis in center. I think he has the skills to be a center fielder. You know, he's learning how to play the outfield now. He has the wheels to be a center fielder. Uh, I think, yes, you know, you could get more out of his arm and right, I guess. But I think I would get more out of his legs in center and be able to fit more offense in uh, on the corners. However, I went looking. If you are looking among teams that are definitely sellers, do you know what the list of available outfielders looks like? Hit, hit us with it's it. It's bad. <laughs> Lane Thomas. <laughs> I've been Randall hit. Grichuk. Yeah. And then even like Ramon Laureano, I, I think he's better than who he is, but he's not playing well right now and he's losing time on an Oakland team. Mm -hmm. So that's your list. 
I mean, I that's mean, that might be the whole list of available, easy to get outfielders. Listen, the Padres and Nationals have traded for outfielders before. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about the Padres as a team that needs the to big go get Lane another Thomas outfielder. trade. <laughs> I mean, how does how does Mike Rizzo handle that pressure? You thought you thought Juan Soto was big. <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry lane you're a great player sorry lane you're a nice person <laughs> after what the padres have done this. in the past calendar year you want to give them one of lane thomas or randall gritchick or some someone off that list that's the that's the move no. but- i want to give aj preller shohei otani because he's obsessed with stars and just imagine the team with manny machado xander bogart's I, I don't even think I don't think Otani's even being traded this year. No, he's not. But just imagine that team. Like they, just, he just collects stars. Imagine they, they didn't play. make the playoffs, and then they don't make the playoffs. Shohei'd be oh, like, "Why did I leave Anaheim?" Yeah, right. I could have not made the playoffs there. Wow. So I'm gonna read headlines like Shohei passes Babe Ruth, homers twice, Padres lose. Padres lose. <laughs> oh, we don't want to just replay that whole scenario in San Diego. It's already hard oh, enough to watch it happening I in Anaheim. Know. I, I agree with you now. Where's a big bat that could I could help? I, I do have a big bat that I think is interesting that could be in play is Eloy Jimenez. Now, this is a big bat. This is one where you have to actually spend because he has t- he's under team control for a while. Uh, and uh, he's a good player, but not really good defensively. He might be a little bit tough to put on the Padres, um, you know, because Juan Soto is not great defensively. Unless you push, you know, if you push Tatis to center, then there's a spot for Eloy, I guess, in the outfield. Although that is a little bit dicey, so that that's a little bit Tatis rough. Just I have, the outfield. I, I mean, have not, Eloy not to the Guardians because the Guardians have prospects. The Guardians need offense. They need offense this year. They need offense next year. They need more power. Eloy makes contact, so he fits the team philosophy. But he's a power hitter. I think Eloy to 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 the Guardians makes a lot of sense, but. The White Sox then have to decide, okay, we're sellers and we're going to be aggressive sellers and we're going to yeah. get out in the front. And then everybody comes to the trough because I'd say I have the Rangers going and getting uh, Joe Kelly or or Reynaldo Lopez or Kenyon Middleton or two of the three or all three because I think their bullpen could use a couple of arms. Well, listen, the White Sox should be open for business. They should literally have had a sign out front for Memorial Day, like they said, <laughs> right when Memorial Day happened. They should have been like, start of summer sale, let us have it. Like, just rebuild and do it the right way. You they guys tried. aren't feeling it. Like, you guys don't think, because we have been talking about it, like the centrals are easier and like. Not with the White Sox. I, I don't I don't see it at all. Every, yeah. We talk about them all the time and everyone, they're like, people are enamored with them because of their roster on paper and, you know, they were supposed to be good. And then they're never good. So after what, how many times do they have to show you their stripes before you're like, yep, I know what that is, right? Negative 55 run differential. It's not good. It's just, you know, at first it was the injuries and then it was, oh, Tony La Russa. And it's like, doesn't matter what happens there. There's just like some bad juju going on. Just clear it out. (laughs) Get it going again. Start, you know what I mean? Like just start it over fresh. I I hate to think that. I mean, I I never want to like call for jobs, but like that, that front office has had a long run. Yeah. Yeah. You do wonder, right? What do they have to show for it? So the way you have to think about it, if you are in charge of the White Sox, I think you have to say, are we tearing it down, including the core guys that we have well beyond this season? Or 
are we just taking the players who are going to hit free agency and moving all of those guys? And that would be Lucas Giolito, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Ronaldo Lopez. You could trade those three and and say, we're keeping the rest of the core. We're going to keep Tim Anderson. We're going to keep Eloy Jimenez. We're going to keep Luis Robert. And we're going to keep Andrew Vaughn. And we're going to have Dylan Cease coming back next year. We're going to have Michael Kopech back next year. And we're going to run it back with that core, that core roster one more time. And then you see how it goes. And if it's still bad after you tinker some more this offseason, then you start moving those guys. Or you could do it now. I don't have a problem with doing it now. I just think you have to choose how big of a rebuild you want to do right now. Because of expanded playoffs, because of the lack of pitching, if you are willing to move talent right now, you're in an unusual position. You could actually leverage this for a pretty big payoff in the long yeah. run. And one of the recurring yeah. problems with the White Sox has been drafting and player development. They do really well with veterans and international free agency, but generally they have not drafted and developed players very well. So they have to reload their farm system and they might be the team best positioned to do it, most realistically positioned to do it because they have an assortment of players. They have a guy in Giolito who could be the best pitcher traded at the deadline. If they trade someone like Eloy with multiple years under contract, that's, you're that's get when you actually get a good back. prospect. That's the thing. So you have to really tap into yes. that second group if you're going to be to. in a position to really transform the franchise in a meaningful way. Yes. You can't go halfway. They can't outspend their lack of player development. And Giolito is not even a rental of the Max Scherzer variety, I don't think. Which didn't actually get the Nats that much. And they traded Trey Turner along with Scherzer, who had a full extra year under team control. And look at that. Right. Well, I thought, I mean, I, they got Kbert Ruiz. They got a they got a foundational catcher. Is that the same But deal? they had to throw in Trey Turner. They had to throw in Trey Turner. Right. And that's, I think that's the thing. I think uh what's what's a what's a more recent rental trade uh that we can look at but I, you know in any case uh i don't think giolito brings you back an impact prospect I mean, that's that's something no. we can say without looking at particulars you know that teams of con- team years of control are the big deal and so looking at this roster the the, the guy where i see oh man like i don't think they want us they, they don't want to trade their center fielder you know they're not trading uh robert so if they're not going to trade robert then you know the best then the guy i see and i don't think they're going to trade cease you know so the the name that i see that my eye goes to is eli jimenez just because as a dh you know and with a four-year contract you know it, it it could get you a lot back and it could not hurt your team as much and it might make team fit easier in the future because you've got andrew vaughn who's kind of dh first base right you know like you don't want to get too many dh types on one team right yeah the white Sox though are in an interesting position because i kind of see both sides of it on one side you could do that half rebuild which are tricky to pull off and are littered with kind of failures right like the royals the nationals teams that were hesitant to burn after success and then were really bad and then were forced to kind of really actually burn it down to the studs but on the flip side they're in such a weak division that a half rebuild could pull it off right you don't need to win 90 games to win the al central most often than not right you're looking at maybe winning 80 games so could they could they do that because of where they're situated yes do they probably need the full rebuild I think so. But again, there's nuance to it because we talked about the front office and their jobs and their job security. Now, if you're Kenny Williams, do you want to say, yeah, we got to burn it all down again? Like, what's his job status? Are you the guy that runs it after that? (laughs) They guard so closely these contract statuses of front office members now, which is like a little bit of a newer trend. And so we don't know, is, is is this his last year? Does he have an option year, right? That also impacts what these guys do. 
And they, I think they guard it so that we can't say something like this. They do. So we <laughs> can't know, say, well, Kenny Williams be like, might well, be gone after this year. Yeah, he's, yes. uh, he's, his contract's yes. up, so he's just going to blow right. this up and then he's going to be gone. Which is kind of a pet peeve for players I've talked to because their salaries so are printed open. everywhere <laughs> yeah. all the time. I'm looking right now at a page on Fangraphs that has like everybody's right. salaries. Like right. th- on this page, there should be the the GM and the POBO yes. should be right above it with we'll like make years. Millions. Yeah. I think people don't realize how much money these guys make. Should probably we should at least know the status of like what's going on because it does impact these organizational decisions. It certainly does. Would you, if you were an acquiring team, would you take Andrew Benatendi off their hands if it came with a prospect or if it cost no prospect? To basically mm. give up. So if you're a team like Texas and you just have holes in the outfield and you're okay spending more on payroll. Dodgers seem like, you know, they do this They do this fairly often. They'll take a yeah. guy that's just expensive with the Giants. Or they'll, they'll, they have money, so they're just like, yeah, we just don't want to give you a prospect of that's really any value. I don't think yeah. I would yeah. take on Andrew Benintendi because I actually just don't think he's that good. If I thought he was a two, two and a half win player with certainty for the next few years, I'd have no problem with it at all. The power is gone. Power is gone. It just hasn't been there really consistently year over year since 2017 to 2019. And even that's a stretch. 2019 was like 13 home runs in the year of the rabbit ball. He's never been a great barreler. 6.1% for his career. He's already 28. He's going to be 29 in July. And he he plays the corner. Is he going to get better at this stage? Zero homers in the corner. Yeah. So I don't want Andrew Benintendi, even if I'm getting a prospect to add him to my roster. I don't think it necessarily makes my team better. Yeah, it, it's interesting, though. It's it's bad contract moving season more or less happens closer to the deadline, though, as people get desperate for ways to, to make things work, right? Um, you see it, I think, a little less now, where teams are just trying to maybe do plug, plug smaller holes because prices change and the market changes. And teams are like, I can't take on that deal. I don't want to take him on. Or all of a sudden, like, if we don't, we don't get this prospect, you know? So I think this timing is definitely the best lot. place to to go shopping for a reliever, though. Uh, there's, I definitely like the relievers on this team. I I I take Lopez, Middleton, Joe Kelly. The one thing that's been a little bit of a bummer, and it's really it's really fun to see Liam Hendricks, you know, beat cancer and come back, but yeah. uh, the stuff isn't quite there like it used to be. Right. And uh, they even said like they were hoping to call him up, and you know you know, see more velo in the major leagues and they're not seeing that. So I'm wondering how that's going to go for it. I don't think he's going to move at the deadline, but we'll see. Yeah. Great, great story. That is though. Um, just a, a terrific feel good story for baseball um, on, on that kind of like same note though. I don't know how many people know what's going on with David Hess. Uh, was with yeah, the Orioles and the Rays in, organization. In Baltimore, the uh, Orioles. Yeah, yeah. People want to help. I think um, John Means and his wife Carolyn um, have set up like a Go GoFundMe. He they discovered cancer that was lurking behind another kind of cancer. Oh man! So he had surgery today for that. Um, you know, it's just it's awful, right? Like he he already beat what he thought was one well, cancer once, and now he has a more rare form. Um, that they were not able to see. So, um, you know, even if you can't help, just certainly keep them in your your thoughts. I think more people kind of need to know about uh, what's going on with him as we sit here and talk about much lighter things. It's 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 really unfortunate. One of the nicest guys that I've ever covered, um, which is it's just really a shame. 
yeah, all the best to him in that recovery effort. That is uh, awful. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The interesting thing you you brought up, you know, was the possibility of the Guardians solving more of a long-term problem, right? The way they've been built going back to last season, it was a low strikeout rate with an inability to do damage. It's continued for this year. Guardians fans don't understand like why they can't figure that aspect of the roster out. They do so many other things well. We talk about that all the time. How much can they retool that roster in season and still give themselves a chance in this division because I think when you when you look at a team like Cleveland we made the argument on this show about a year ago that they could have been a sleeper team to go get Juan Soto they had the young talent in their organization both in terms of impact potential and volume to actually get that deal done of course it was the Padres that made the blockbuster deal instead they still have a lot of those prospects they have major league ready guys Gavin Williams is another big league ready pitcher who they could bring up if they want to trade Shane Bieber. Bieber could be among the veteran players on the move here in the next couple of months. They've got a everyday big league shortstop in Brian Rocchio, who might be a little bit lighter hitting than a lot of players the position, but he can play the position well enough to start for other teams. They've got Bo Naylor, who they don't seem to love defensively, but is an impact offensive player. And of course, they've already brought up Tanner Bybee and Logan Allen. So they've got a lot of young guys on this roster. Can they trade their way out of their problems mid-season? Do you see any good fits for them other than Eloy? I mean, I, I could see them doing the sort of selling buying thing um, where they acquire somebody that has multiple years of team control and helps them this year and next year without uh, really you know, tearing down the team. But if they do decide to become anything of a seller, wouldn't there be maybe a possibly a link between them and the Dodgers? It's an interesting thing where the Guardians seem to really mint shortstops, you know? And if they're just making shortstops and starters over there, then just be like, hey, can we send you, I mean, is either it's Rocchio or Ahmed Rosario, you know, um, uh, and, uh, and pair him with Shane Bieber and give you help at two of the positions that you need help at. Um, and you give us, uh, I don't know, it has to be a young bat. I don't know. I don't know that that would be enough for Vargas. How many years does Bieber have in his contract? Yeah, one more year after this season. And Rosario, Ahmed Rosario is a free agent after this season. So it makes sense that the Guardians would move him, even if they weren't giving up on this season, because they can backfill internally to replace him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's enough for Vargas, because especially with the way that they treated Lux in the past. 
Um, but if they if they are out on Bo Naylor being a catcher, like would it be enough for Diego Cartaya? Yeah, Diego Cartaya, maybe Michael Bush as a, a guy that hits for a ton of power and and doesn't fit your model, but actually could be something that makes your lineup better. If it's Bush, then it's part of a package. I feel like. Yeah, I, I like. I think Eno's idea of buying and selling is the most guardian esque possibility because what they have to do is they have to straddle this line every year of not going all in because if they push all their chips in, then they feel like payroll suffers for years and years. And you saw that, um, you know, when they went to the world series, um, you saw them kind of go do these things that really stretch them. And they knew it, they knew they'd have to get back to kind of being who they are for a while after that. Yeah. And so I think they don't want that to happen again. So the challenge becomes how do we get better without, pushing all of our chips in without trading away. Like certainly they have, as you guys said, the prospects to make a blockbuster move to get this big time player, but at what cost, right? That's kind of always what they're weighing. So I think that they will look for that. They also are a little Raisian in that they look for assets who are undervalued, guys who they think they can get better because that's who they are. So they definitely need power and it feels like a broken record. They've needed power because power is expensive to buy. Um, you know, and they haven't figured out how to develop hitting the way they have figured out how to develop pitching. And when they do, I think we'll be like, God, watch out for Cleveland. Like, could anybody, can anyone beat them, right? If they can figure out that last missing piece. But I do think you're going to look for smaller, smaller moves for them. Maybe I see them involved in like a three-way trade almost, right? Like a, hey, we need this guy, but we'll get rid of that guy and we'll go to this team, you know, like- those- Like the Brewers jumping in on that uh, on that Sean Murphy deal. Yeah. Yeah, something like that where you're like, oh, okay, I-, I see how that makes sense. You know, they saved salary here and they got this player here without giving up this. Like, you know, I kind of see that chess for them at the deadline because of where they are in the standings, of where they are as an organization. Uh, you know, I don't see them going out and, and entering the Otani sweepstakes, which, by the way, can we just say is not going to happen? It's probably <laughs> not going to happen. Though last year we said Juan Soto wasn't going to happen, and then Juan Soto happened. So anything can happen. I feel like I'm talking one big circle. Yeah, but Juan Soto, Juan Soto was on a team that had won it all, whereas the Angels seem sort of desperate. They'll cling to whatever playoff odds are still yeah. on the board, I feel like, till the last second. Wouldn't it be great to see Otani in the playoffs this yep. year? Yeah. It would be amazing. Would be. I mean, every year that goes by are years that you're like, we're wasting him in his prime. I'd love to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. Also true. <laughs> also true. But Mike Trout can't pitch and hit, so I would just love yeah, to see. Yeah, that would be cool. I wonder if they would take the the gloves off on Otani in the playoffs, and he wouldn't have any of those rest days, or if he would, or if you just go four innings because they want to play him in the in the field the next day and stuff like that. That'd be be interesting to see where that goes. But you know, I, I think you, I think we're like we're sometimes we're trying to read between the lines and and get an understanding of how a front office works. You know, like you know, so that's why we're saying the Guardians might act that way. But I think it's also interesting to look at a team like the Orioles, where we don't like we know that the Braves buy, right? The Braves buy. They 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 will buy the tra- trade deadline. They have a poor left field situation by projections. Uh, if they find uh, somebody, you know that that doesn't cost a ton. It's not always. Sometimes it's a rental too. Like the Braves will just buy for this postseason. But what what are the Orioles like? Like we're we're kind of like waiting. Like they have a very obvious place where they could improve themselves, which um, I would say is pretty obviously their starting rotation. 
Yes. And we've talked about this before that eventually they're going to have to do that. However, every time Michael Elias speaks, if you read between the lines, it kind of seems like most of the upgrades are going to come from yeah. below, which is kind of a catch 22 because most of their guys down below now are hitters. They yeah. don't really have this wave of pitchers that are big league ready soon. So again, he could be not the first GM to say something and then act the opposite. Totally. But is it going to be like if he does make a move? And, and I agree, DL Hall is taking a step back. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez could be the loaded. upgrade from within if he get, if he gets adjusted. Grayson Rodriguez, uh, crazy story. Like apparently, uh, teams have like used Hawkeye to to figure out that he's tipping. So they're using like limb tracking to like to 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 leverage that to find tipping now. Well, he's also had command issues even before that too. Like he didn't. He had a real problem strike to ball ratio, which, especially as a young guy, it's like almost a, you know, it's just really, really tough. Yeah. And he's thrown, and he's thrown this cutter now that I don't think is a good pitch. So he's going down. He's going to try and refind, find his pitch mix, I think, and figure out some stuff. But um, even if he comes back, I think even if he comes back, they have team, they have room for another starter to improve them team. But will they get the Giolito type rental? Or will they be more like the Guardians and try to find somebody that'll be on the team for a while? You know, yeah. the Twins, for, as an example, by the way, are are fascinating because they don't want to buy the rental and they've put real money and and, and prospects into acquiring arms, yeah. and it's really not worked out. No, like that's sort of lost in how good they are this year. Is they traded for Chris Paddock? Tommy John surgery. They created for traded for Tyler Molly. Tommy John surgery. <laughs> like it's not been a good run. They signed Sonny, or they trade for Sonny. They traded for Sonny. They traded for Sonny Gray. Sonny Sonny's the one that worked out, but he's been he's been injured. Joe too. Ryan was a guy they traded uh, for also. Joe Ryan yes. worked out. That one was a good one. Yeah. That's the problem no, with trading for pitching. It's an interesting point with Baltimore. Just because you trade for yeah. it doesn't mean it's not going to get hurt. Pitching's going to break right, as pitching yeah. breaks. <laughs> you also have to wonder what do these other teams know that you don't know? Yeah. Right? That's always, that's always you know, the case. I, I don't know. I think it's it's really interesting with Baltimore because the, if this is the beginning of what they think is their window, you, you kind of say, why would you go get a rental, right? You know, you've got Gunnar Henderson, who's the youngest player in the American League. You've got Adley Rushman just coming into his own. We talked about Grayson Rodriguez, who will be a big part of their future. You've got a very young team, and this is kind of the, the beginning of what you think is going to be a, a fruitful couple of years, at least. So if you trade a rental, it's going to cost you less prospects than a guy who's certainly under team control. So you do maintain more of that farm system. That's so well thought of, but if it doesn't work out this year, what was the point? Are you any better for next year? And you've lost prospects, right? So it's, it's really an interesting thing for Michael Elias to, to juggle. And I'm curious guys, because last year there wasn't a whole lot of pressure on them. It was like, will they trade Mancini? Will they not? You know, he wasn't going to bring back an impact guy. Um, this is really the first trade deadline, I would say, that Michael Elias has had a lot of pressure on him to improve the team, right? To go all in. And yeah, really now they're like, you've been good for it. a couple of years now, dude. And you yeah. have like pretty obvious flaws and you're in a really hard division, but you're right. second. And like, you didn't spend any money this winter. Yeah. And people, you know, and you came out and said you were gonna, and people were upset about that. So, you know, I, I'm really curious. To me, they're one of the more interesting teams to see what happens at the trade deadline because Ooh. of that. Uh, you know, do you believe in this team? Do you not? Well, how much is ownership going to back them? You know, they've said for years when they got close, they would spend. 
Well, they're here now. Yeah, I think you can really understand the difficulty of what they're facing because they're four games behind the Rays right now. They're in second place in the AL East. They're 14 over 500 on June 1st, which is probably better than even the most optimistic Orioles fans would have penciled them in for these first two months. And it's a 41.9% chance of making the playoffs because of how good everyone in that division is, because of how tough that path actually is, and because I think there are still some holes in that roster that the projections are unsure of. The starting pitching is the biggest one. If you put the Orioles in the group that also needs starting pitching, I don't think that's changing in a year or two from within because they've been banking on Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall to be a big part of their 2023 and beyond core for years now. And they need a little more beyond that. Bieber, I think, is a good fit for them because Bieber's not a rental. Giolito's a rental. I think if you're the Orioles, your window is just beginning to open. You've just started opening that now. Unless you're getting the super discounted rentals, and I think of um, Jock Peterson a couple years ago, all the moves Atlanta made the year they won the World Series. Yeah, Atlanta's good at buying these rentals and just being like, we're not going to give up much for them, and we're just going to rent them. Andy Rosario was really bad that year. Jorge Soler, like all those guys they just added for nothing. They made an impact. They won because they just found found the right spackle that year. That's sort of what you were talking about with the Padres earlier, right? If you want to add... Randall Gritchick, Lane it's Thomas. It's not going to move the headlines, but like, you know, a Randall Gritchick might really fit that team well. He's a righty. You know? It might make you a little better, while the thing that actually makes you a lot better is just the players it's you had the whole the time doing what they're supposed better. to do. <laughs> yeah. So it, it works because then you didn't overpay for help you didn't necessarily need. And I think if you're the Orioles, you've got so many great position players coming up, not enough spots to necessarily play them all. You line up really well for pitching that can be around for more than this year. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't, yeah, I guess so. The recurring theme on the show all season, we've wanted the Orioles to trade for pitching that will be there beyond this season. Yeah, that's yes. true. That's yes, true. we have. We have Derek wanted it to happen in April. Put Jesus Lazardo on that team. Now we're yeah. putting Shane Bieber on that team. Anyone. Uh, but I think it's also interesting just the, what you just said. Like, why why not maybe do the rental and just not spend? Like Marcus Stroman or, or Likas Diolito, like... Maybe it won't cost that much to get those guys. And then you keep all your young your young bats. And then maybe you spend on pitching next year like you said you would. <laughs> yeah, no. But it's it's tricky, right? What if like these what if this is like this great, you know, teams have sometimes ahead of their timetable, right? Um, mm. you know, teams sometimes beat when they think they're going to be good. Tampa Bay in 2008. Their year was supposed to be 2009. Well, guess what? It was 2008. They went to the World Series that year instead, right? So what if what if the Orioles say, well, we'll, we'll do it next year, which is essentially what they said last year. We don't believe in this team enough to upgrade, even though they were like sneaky kind of good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially towards the end. So if you're doing that again, you're now banking on everybody being healthy again. What if Adley Rushman gets hurt? What if Gunnar Henderson gets hurt? What if something happens to Grayson Rodriguez, right? Like, you just don't know there's that element. So for me, why not make this team as good as it can possibly be to be four games back of the Tampa Bay Rays who played a, played a historic clip to start the season? is ridiculous. You have to think that you like your chances against pretty much anybody. They went into the New York Yankee Stadium and, and held their own. They win a series. They sweep Toronto. I mean... If I'm the Orioles, I'm like, you know what? This might be it. This might be the season. Let's go and let's upgrade this team, not just now, but for the future. So let's be scary for a little while. Let's not do the one toe in thing. I, you know, teams are so sometimes risk averse front offices. And I get that because everything gets scrutinized and, you know, you want to be able to defend everything that you do. Um, but sometimes 
I wish more GMs would act like AJ Pereller and just say, let's get the stars. YOLO. Let's get the stars. Yeah. Like let's just collect them and see what happens. And once in a while that works out. And when it does, it's amazing to see. So now I'm okay with them trading away some of their, their prospects right now. This is about the big league team for the first time in five years in Baltimore. This should be about winning and nothing else. I think what we're also going to see that's going to open up more possibilities for the buyers is the teams that are in the uncertain middle right now. These next six weeks are going to nudge them one direction or the other, right? So if you take a team like the Cubs, because of the division they play in, if they play well between now and the all-star break, they might actually talk themselves into doing the rental thing because it won't cost much. They have long-term talent coming. And if they win the division and sneak in, they can do what you both suggested earlier and just, just be there in October. And that's a big step forward. That's a that's a win in and of itself. So how things play out for them is a big deal. The Red Sox, they're kind of in that danger zone right now. Under 20% playoff odds in a tough division. If there's a starting pitching market and uh, Chris Sale gets added to it, he's the best starter available if he's pitching well. So that changes things quite a bit. Maybe James Paxton helps someone. He's not going to bring a lot back in trade, but at least you have something that people want that you can trade that makes you a little better in the future. So they're one of those teams we have to watch pretty closely. I think even you know the Angels and the Giants, some of the teams that are higher up in playoff odds, if they get cold enough, the Giants actually have pitching to trade. Like That's one of the things that they could do that would also help them in the not-so-distant future, trading some of their starting pitching. So a lot is going to be determined, and this is part. This is this is the answer to the question: Why aren't teams more aggressive earlier? Well, because you want to see, you want to learn over three and a half or four months how good your team really is before you you give up on a year. Because giving up on a year is a big deal. Giving up on a year means people in your organization will lose jobs more more likely than not. So that's a pretty big cost in the grand scheme of things. It means to give convincing up. ownership to keep your front office intact for you know. If you're giving up on if you're if you do big trades and giving up, that means, you know, going to Jay Reinsdorf and being like, yep, we need another five years. I think the other teams I was looking at that are are contenders that have flaws. I mean, the Yankees people, we've talked about this for three years now. They're always under the microscope. Left field, third base, both seem like spots that need to be upgraded unless you're going to buy a healthy Josh Donaldson fixing the third base problem. Left field is not that difficult of a spot to address ordinarily. That being said, it's more of a problem right now because of the lack of obvious outfield fits like Eno talked about. But I think that's what we're going to see too. We're going to see some teams that dig a little deeper and potentially make bigger moves than we can just pick off by looking at some of the worst teams' rosters. It's easy to find those fits. The harder trades to figure out are the ones like the Brandon Marsh, Logan Ohapi trade that happened last year. I couldn't have predicted yeah, that. that. Wild, actually. <laughs> we're doing the live stream of the trade deadline. I was like, whoa, that's an amazing trade. And we kind of thought about it. We're like, we kind of like that for both teams. That should work out really well. That or Jordan Montgomery yeah. for Harrison Bader. Didn't see that one coming at all, right? Yeah. So I think those types of moves are going to be very impactful. And they're much harder to see coming because you think that both players involved in trades like that are so important to the team for the current season, that they wouldn't possibly give them up given future needs. Yeah, I can't I, I can't look it through, you know, the depth charts or the, you know, the the projections and be like, oh yes, this to there. Especially since uh there's some so much of the need is pitching 
And when you talk to teams, they just don't want to trade their pitching. <laughs> so, you know, that's why the Jordan Montgomery thing was so remarkable. They decided they had enough pitching depth to make the playoffs and that Jordan Montgomery wouldn't be in their playoff rotation and that they could use a center fielder this year more than they could use a starting pitcher last year. Um, I just I, I don't see a team that's like that this year. I don't see a team that's like, yeah, we got this extra starter lying around. Nope, it's just the one yeah. we talk about occasionally, uh, the Marlins. They always have the extra starters laying around. That's about <laughs> That's it. Right. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Can we talk about Kirk Herbstreit calling C. Trent, who's been the beat writer for the Reds for 10 years, a troll looking for attention? Did <laughs> that just happen? <laughs> That's amazing. Did that just happen in the last little while? Yes. What oh is going God. on on Twitter? I'm sorry. I've been following. I don't like reality TV, but I've been following this saga unfold. Like, it's been incredible. They wrote a piece that uh, was just trying to figure out how Ellie De La Cruz is going to fit on the Reds. Uh, given that India, Jonathan India is their one of their best veterans. And in the meantime, they've also added Spencer Steer, who looks like it could be a third baseman. Matt McClain is a shortstop. Uh, they're starting to have a glut of, of good uh, hitting infielders. And Ellie De La Cruz is the prospect in baseball right now, the very best prospect in baseball right now. And so there's just to, it has to be a discussion of what the best fit is, where you put Ellie De La Cruz. Um, and how that fits in. And of course, Jonathan India has to be a part of that discussion, especially since his defense is not amazing. Um, and uh, this is, you know, he's getting closer to being more expensive. Um, and so uh, Kirk did not enjoy uh, the discussion of uh, where Jonathan India should go and if they should discuss trade uh, possibilities and if he should move off his position. Let's just say that it's that's about the nicest way to put it. Kirk did not enjoy that even the discussion was even being had, and he made his he made his uh, his voice heard. This is correct, unbelievable. So there's there's so many layers to this. If you dig in, it's probably just a little too inside baseball Twitter for a lot of people. But number yes. one, like why is a 
a national broadcaster for football fighting with the Cincinnati Reds beat writer at he the Athletic. He must be a Reds fan. Must be he a must huge be a Reds, Reds fan, fan, right? But he also, his last tweet an hour ago, I don't even know who you are. How could you be a Reds fan and, and not, not have know. read? Yeah, right. like, Trent's <laughs> not new to the beat. No, he he's also, one of the longest Exactly. Also, before the Athletic, even if you don't, like he, he wrote for newspapers. So. In Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. How can you? Yes. Yes. Read the bylines, everyone. Learn a little bit about the person Amazing. writing the stories that you're reading, both at the Athletic and elsewhere. Like just you know, right. pay attention to bylines. I guess is the takeaway. Most unexpected feud of 2023, though, uh, to be sure. And I'm sure this will have a even weirder ending than the beginning and middle have been so far. So uh, I'll get my popcorn ready and see how that plays out over the course of the rest of the day. Uh, any other big <laughs> trade ideas kind of bouncing around for either of you as we kind of think about what the next couple of months might bring. I was, I was trying to talk myself into uh, moves that uh, the Dodgers could make. I think pitching for the Dodgers actually makes sense. They've done it before with the Scherzer-Turner deal that came up a little earlier in the show. They did a few years before that with Yu Darvish, too. And I think because of the the combination of of injuries they've experienced, the underperformance of Noah Syndergaard, the, the stars all sort of aligned for them to maybe address that need again if the right pitcher is available. But in a very pitching thin market, even though the Dodgers have prospects they can deal because they can just keep developing more, I'm not certain they'll do it, even though it actually makes sense as a need. Yeah. I mean, did you guys see the quote from Syndergaard that he would give up his hypothetical firstborn to be back to his old self? Yeah, that's weird. Wow. That's weird. (laughs) Just like, that's a lot to unpack as well. I think a little growth and uh, maturity might actually change his mind on that one. But um, the thing with Noah Syndergaard is I thought it was a good move at the time, right? The Dodgers way was to have Tyler Anderson last year on a one-year deal, make some tweaks, have that work. I thought Noah Syndergaard was a much better rebuild starter kit than Tyler Anderson ever was. And this was a good idea. In fact, I'll admit it. I thought Noah Syndergaard was a good signing last year for the Angels. I think the thing that they did was kind of weird. It was only a one-year deal, and they had to give up a compensatory draft pick because he had a qualifying offer. So that was the part that I was unsure. I was like, well, get a second year if you're going to give up that draft pick. That's neither here nor there. A second year of Noah Syndergaard wouldn't have helped them. So I was just totally wrong about him. Are we at the Thor to the bullpen plan at this point? You have to try something else at this point because we're now 35 starts into this going back to last season where he has just been a shell of the pitcher that he used to be, which is sad and obviously very frustrating for him. Yeah, I don't know what you do here. I mean, I was also on board with the Angels signing. I also thought that the Dodgers, of all people, would be able to like reclaim some of that magic just because they're so good at you know helping guys get to the next level. I mean, we've talked about their player development before and what they're able to do for young players, and they seem to be one of those organizations where guys go and get better. And they have tweaked his pitch mix. Like, he's throwing a different slider this year, and he's throwing his fastball less than ever, and he's... His fa- his four seam, which is one of the worst in the big leagues, he's he's almost not throwing at all, and it's not enough. Yeah, you just wonder is that it? I mean, I don't know. I never want to say like a guy's all done with his career, but I don't I don't know what you do next. Going to the bullpen a lot of times in season doesn't give you the full boost, you know. Yeah, like he could just be ninety three out of the bullpen, then he's just the long guy. But you know, maybe going to the bullpen you know, over the off season could get him back up to 96, 97 and, and help him. So 
you know, there's, there's, I, I would, I, I would say there's another chapter. I'm just not sure what that chapter looks like this year. Yeah. The, the other part of it with the Dodgers, too, will be whether or not they want to be as aggressive with someone like Emmett Sheehan as the uh, Braves have been with A.J. smith Shaver. Like Emmett Sheehan's been in a great story in the minor leagues, just cruising up prospect lists. Bobby Miller's already up. We've seen Gavin Stone debut this year. He'll probably get another chance, even though it didn't go well. The problems they have are the injuries that are already on the ledger. Walker Bueller working back from Tommy John, probably not coming back until the end of the year if he comes back at all. It says September 1st he's aiming for, but that's that sounds like almost maybe a reliever or like, uh, is it really going to... Maybe you get Dustin May back this year. That's a possibility, but it's hard to rely on that. Ryan Pepio had a setback coming back from the oblique injury, so you have that problem. Urias is hurt right now. That injury is not as serious as the others. You have these like young guys yeah. that look pretty good. Like, you know, Michael Groves Velo is up and his his minor league stuff numbers look great. So and Bobby Miller uh, is throwing hundreds out there. So like maybe, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking right now at a list of uh, impending free agents and they have bought from this list before where they bought, you know, Max Scherzer in the past. They bought guys where, you know, they just get the rest of the season out of them. Um, and they've done that, but the only name that sort of moves the needle at the top of the the lineup, uh, the t- top of the rotation for me, that's uh, available because I'm not sure Giolito is that, is Aaron Nola. Hmm. Well, huh. and, and some things have to happen between now and, and the end yeah. of July for the Phillies to be willing to trade Aaron Nola, don't they? I was gonna say that's a that's a name I really haven't heard as an available name, you know. I mean, I don't think he's available, and the and the Phillies aren't fully out of it or anything. But it's a it's a tough division, and like you said, it, there's like that cold run and that hot run. Like if they have a cold June, they and 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 Aaron Nola's the contract conversations, extension conversations aren't going well. Yeah, they they may see a different way out of out of uh, that situation than we expect. I don't know. I mean, if I, otherwise, when I'm looking at the guys who are impending free agents, a lot of them are on uh, good teams, right? Already, so like the Padres aren't going to you know sell you Darvish right now. I don't think, and uh, you know they got Blake Snell too. Um, and then there's a lot of guys with options that you know the teams will probably pick up their options. And then there's Lucas Giolito. And then there's just Aaron Nola is just staring at me. As it stands today, Philly's 25 and 30. They have a 29.4% chance of making the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, they're more likely to end up in the trading players away group than the adding players group. But I think when you start to identify their longer range plan and, and what they've put together, their aggressive spending, the players they have right now, Giving up on a season doesn't seem like something that fits the core they have right now either. After just signing Trey Turner all that money, it's like... <laughs> and the way Middleton operates. Yeah. yeah. Yes. The Phillies would be more along the lines of that team that would do the, hey, you know, we're kind of just trying to get there. And once we get there, we know we can do plenty of damage and we're good enough if we're there. So let's just patch over the holes with those inexpensive rentals, the glue guys, and just So do the Dodgers enough. spend on Marcus Stroman or Lucas Giolito? I don't think Stroman's going to be that much of a, a windfall trade-wise for the Cubs because he has an opt-out after the season as well. And I think yeah. opt-out's always really going to make things tricky as far as dealing players mid-season. He told Ken Rosenthal recently he didn't want to be traded, so I don't know. That's Marcus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
But I do think he might opt out because he's having a good season. Maybe he'll use that opt out to 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 as leverage to sign an extension. Yeah, tack on a couple more years. Sure, it's good if you can pull it off. Uh, anybody else we haven't talked about? The Diamondbacks are kind of interesting because they're not. Yeah, they're similar to the Orioles for me, where I thought they would be. I thought this year was going to be like uh, the 2022 version of the Orioles for the Diamondbacks. And they're a little ahead of that right now. I don't know if that's going to continue. Even as someone who likes this team, 10 over 500 entering play today, only a half game behind the Dodgers in the NL West. They're sitting with a 59.1% chance of making the playoffs. It's better than the Padres and better than the Giants on June 1st. So uh, that feels pretty good. If you are trying to push the Diamondbacks into the postseason. And I think it would be a big deal because that's a little ahead of schedule. How do you upgrade that team? The bullpen for me is one area where you'd want yeah. more firepower for sure. <laughs> yeah, A lot of contending teams you can say that about. I think the Diamondbacks and Rangers are both in that like, whoa, that bullpen really does need more. But th- yeah, I think the Diamondbacks uh, bullpen is worse and I think it's pretty terrible actually. And I think that one uh, acquisition can make a big deal. And uh, they seem like the the perfect kind of team. The the way they're run, the way they've been run in the past, the, the where the, where they are right now, how much they like to spend money. This is the perfect team for a rental reliever. This is that's that's going to be their big acquisition. Is going to be a rental reliever. They're going to go get a rental reliever. Maybe it'll be Liam Hendricks. You know that that's under contract for a little bit. Maybe it'll be they'll they'll spend a little money to have somebody for next year too. If if the velo pops up, but otherwise. You know, I see them uh, acquiring, you know, one of those White Sox relievers. It seems like the easiest spot. The other thing in all this, too, you know, with teams that need bullpen help, we're probably at the point on the calendar where teams that are the clear sellers, we've already talked about them at the beginning of the show, could take starters and see what happens with them in the bullpen. I think back to... I mean, that's the Dre Jameson. You know, you're just wondering where he's going. Yeah. Remember Drew Pomeranz when they, they made that decision to flip him into the bullpen and he was just a completely different guy? And all of a sudden, you have an impact reliever to trade. That's, that's something that teams that are not playing for this year could actually consider doing right now. Yeah, I'm looking through the uh, guys who could be... I mean, Jacob Junis is, is sort of in that spot. Uh, and he's a free agent. If he if he was just a one inning guy, would he be even better? I don't know. I don't know if he has the the velo in shorter stints to to make that sort of leap, or if he has. Does he have a, a good enough secondary where you just say just throw this? Half yeah, the time I mean, he's got it. that big yeah. sweeper. He's that a, sweeper's he, good he throws enough. Throws that slider like fifty percent of the time. Yeah, he's a, it's a good pitch. I'm just wondering what his velo looks like if you just kept him to one inning. There's not that, I mean, there's not that, you know, in terms of guys, the conference is just a really interesting situation because it's injuries that sort of led to him not having a real big resume as a starter. And so, you know, he had been a starter and a reliever. So it was like, well, you know, the only way he can get you back and the only way we can get something out of you now is as a reliever. Uh, who is Mike Clevenger at all like that? Like, could you just make Mike Clevenger reliever? But then you've just got, then you've got like eight relievers to sell. I don't know. <laughs> like they need a starter more than a reliever. So, yeah. I mean, the good thing is, is it, it, this is going to be a topic for the next eight weeks, right? Things are going to change. There's going to be huge injuries between now and the trade deadline. And then all of a sudden we're going to hear rumors that somebody we thought wasn't available is going to be available. So it's going to be June to me is an underrated, interesting month in baseball. So much can happen uh, before we even get into July, which is just filled with, you know, the all-star break and the trade deadline. Uh, this is a huge month 
as Derek said, feel free to hit the panic button if you don't feel like your team is playing well. <laughs> Plenty of people have hit it already. They were too early to it for uh, for a bunch of clubs. <laughs> but I think the the last name I'm just going to throw out there before we sign off, I, if there's any way that your team in need of pitching can trade for Carlos Hernandez from the Royals, that is a move I wholeheartedly endorse. I don't care what role you use him in. You can try to stretch him back out as a starter. I'm okay with that also. But at the very least... <laughs> a reliever that could help you in a big, big way in shorter outings. So I think he could be a closer on like 10 teams right now. Yeah. I just can't believe the Royals use him the way he's so good compared to so many of their other pitchers. And he's just kind of like <laughs> this extra guy for them right now. They treat him like an extra guy, but he could be, I really think good. with the command he's shown in the past, I, I, I can might leave starting in the past. I think, I think this is a guy, this is the Drew Pomerantz in a way. You know, this is the guy where you get him and you're like, I got a closer. If my team needs pitching, I want my team want to go Hernandez. get Carlos Hernandez because <laughs> yeah. I think he could be yeah. good for a few years. We are going to go on our way out the door. A quick reminder, you can get a subscription to The Athletic for just $2 a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. You can find Eno on Twitter at Eno Saris. You can find Britt at Britt underscore Drolli. You can find me at Derek Van Riper. That's going to do it for this episode of The 3-0 Show. We are back with you on Friday. You always get the green line here. Green line.